Where do we start this? And the answer doesn't matter. Help. We're having a good time. Right. <laughs> he couldn't wait to get in here. You need sales balls to make sales calls. Sure. I'm tweeting that puppy. <laughs> okay. Welcome to the Sell or Die podcast. We're your hosts, Jeffrey and Jen Gittimer. I'm the author of The Little Red Book of Selling and 15 other best-selling books and the creator of the seven-figure sales formula program. I grew up in Philadelphia, sold in New York City, but was smart enough to move to Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm the author of Sales in the New York Minute and creator of Breakthrough Business Babe Community. Fun fact, I'm obsessed with our dogs and consider them humans. If you have a dog, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Sell or Die is for sales professionals, salespeople, sales managers, entrepreneurs, and business owners who want to sell more at full price, earn loyalty, and have an unlimited stream of referrals. Every single episode is going to give you real-world, easy-to-implement solutions so that you can get your calls returned, your proposals read and acted on, all while creating relationships that you can take all the way to the bank. It's time to sell or die. We're joined today by Jill Walls and the great Jill Walls and the great Doug Wing. Doug Wing's dad was Hal Wing, who invented and sold the little giant ladder and thousands, millions of them. Doug was in charge of uh, sales for an extended period of time there and sold millions and millions of dollars with the ladders. And Jill, Jill is a world-class editor who's taking Doug's compiled stories about him and his dad and turning it into a book called Giant Success. I'm helping. And I wanted to bring to you a strategy that Doug has employed that I consider pretty damn unique in the book writing world. Doug has interviewed all of his dad's connections and his friends, the people that are still here, and gathered all these amazing stories, transcribed them all, and he and Jill are combining their talents to edit these stories, and they're, they're unbelievable, literally. Um, how do you feel when you were gathering those stories, Doug? Uh, well, it brought back a lot of great memories, of course, from, you know, my my father and then also the uh the history of little giant and then you know the just the working with him for over four decades and and uh, a little bit overwhelming but um thanks to you and and jill you know i've never written a book before but um it's it's really making it much easier to uh, to have people help me along the way and the lessons i mean look at all the life lessons that you were given by these people, some of whom are friends, some of whom are relative strangers, all of whom had a message that was impactful. What's your favorite story from the book? Just one or two that you can share with us. Well, I knew about quite a few of the stories, but I think the really neat, the neat uh, experiences that I've had along the way are the, learning the stories that I never knew existed uh, because my dad was very, on the philanthropic side, he was very, um, 
not really secretive, but he, he was, uh, he wanted to remain anonymous, which I think is awesome. And, um, and so as I've interviewed these people, um, some of them business, you know, employees, some of them just personal friends, I have learned, uh, some stories that were pretty amazing. And, um, I would say probably two come to mind. Um, the first one is my father had this unique ability to, to know when people needed him and he just happened to be in the right place at the right time in a lot of situations. And, and one of them was, and Jill will know this story. One of them was the story of, uh, Steve and Vicky who were friends of my dad's and, um, Steve was involved in a very bad industrial accident, um, was, uh, critically wounded at work and ended up in ICU and, his wife tells a story of him being in the hospital and they're trying to save his life and his leg. His leg was severely uh, cut and um, right below the knee and they were nervous that it was going to have to be amputated. And so he, he was rushed to the ICU and, you know, and she said that, you know, the doctors and nurses are scrambling and trying to, you know, stabilize him and fix his leg and, and other wounds that he had, this machine exploded and there was shrapnel in his body. And anyway, she said, out of the blue, your dad just shows up in the <laughs> ICU, works his way into the ICU. And she's like, how, how did you get in here? And he looked at her and said, that was easy. I just told him that Steve was my brother. And, you know, so he just shows up and makes his way. I mean, my dad was a bulldog. He I always say you either go around or over obstacles. I think he just plowed right through them, but he makes his way into the room. And, but yet he had this gentle side too. And, and, you know, he's trying to see what he can do to help. And Steve's just covered in black, you know, his face and his arms from this, this industrial explosion. Uh, and um, my dad disappears for a second, comes back with, with a washcloth um, with soap and water. And he, he, you know, gently washes Steve's face and arms and hands and you know and then he leans down as he's getting ready to leave and whispers in Steve's ear you really are my brother and when you get out of this hospital you're going to come to work for me oh. now yeah the story continues Steve loses his leg they have to amputate his leg and and he's in depression and somehow some way again the day that he gets released out of the hospital the first phone call he gets is from Hal Wing. And Hal Wing says, Steve, how are you doing? Uh, are you ready to come to work for me? And Steve says, well, Hal, I lost my leg. I, I'm, I'm just going to have to just sit home and do nothing. And my dad said to him, Steve, can you answer the phone? And he said, of course I can answer a phone. He goes, you're working for me. You'll oh. be, you know, let me know when you're ready to come work for me. And he did. He came to work for our company and he worked for us for probably 15, 20 years, retired. And um, again, he said, your dad knew somehow that I was out of the hospital that day. I was down. I was depressed. And um, somehow he had that, you know, the feeling he called me and the rest is history. And that's the kind of the, uh, dad I had, a kind of a, uh, employ you know, a kind of a boss that Hal Wing was and a person he was. He just cared and loved people. So, Jill, how the hell do you edit that story? <laughs> you know, what was probably the most remarkable thing about that story was that Hal and the Curtises were not super close friends before that. 
So it wasn't like they knew each other really well. Hal saw that they were in need and he went there as a mm. brother and and helped. Oh. And there are so many stories of of how being of service to others to people who he either didn't know well or didn't know at all. Do you so, think that he had strength gathered strength from being service to others? Oh yes, I I I believe that, but my dad was um he believed in his heart of hearts that um he was placed on this earth to serve people and also he was he was convinced that the possessions, the money, the success that he had, had was on loan from God to him. And that someday when he passed away and met his maker again, he was going to be asked, I blessed you with a lot of things. What did you do with those things? Did you help other people? Did you, or did you just, you know, buy nice things, you know? And so he believed, he said, he said that, he said, this is not ours. This is not mine. This is on loan. And I'm, and I know that I need to help people. He was a vessel. You know, not just with, yeah, yeah, not just with his money, but also is the story we just talked about with his time. And, yeah. And, um, you know, his being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. So you hear these horror stories. Well, maybe you haven't, but I have of corporate and how at so many corporate offices, you're just a number and you don't matter. And they spit you up and chew you out and, you know, just the, how terrible they can be. and. Little Giant Ladder sounds literally like heaven, like the place that everyone would want to go work um, mm -hmm. without all those horror stories. And so tell us about how your dad started that company. And I, I just had it dawned on me, like people who are listening may not even know. I know there, there might be a person out there that, that's never heard of Little Giant Ladder before, which is shocking but they may exist. And so just in case, like, give us the backstory. Sure. My dad was uh, a high school graduate. He got married. We had four kids. My uncle died. Uh, they were going to take our, my three cousins in Nevada and divide them all up and put them into foster care. My dad said, this can't be done. So he adopted my cousins. My mom and dad adopted them. And at 26 years of age, my mom and dad had seven kids. Oh my God. Um, with wow. no education. And my dad says, I had to succeed. You know, there was a motivation there to be, to be successful. And, um, he was a good, he was good with people and he, he worked for a life insurance company. And, um, at that time in the seventies, my father said he was earning equivalent to a hundred thousand dollars a year. It was doing pretty well. Um, and since he spoke fluent German and was in the military, they asked him to open up an office in Germany which he did. And one of his business partners that was also there in Germany, a man named Richard Miner, stumbled across the first version of a little giant ladder from a company called Waku in Germany. And he fell in love with it. And he, he kept bugging my dad and saying, you got to see this ladder. My dad's like, we're selling insurance. We don't have time for, <laughs> to look at this ladder, but he wouldn't give up. And my dad finally saw it and he said, wow, this is pretty cool. Now my dad, uh, he, you know, he decided he wanted to uh, be get, get involved with this, um, with this ladder. And um, he met the inventor, a gentleman named Walter. And basically he worked out a deal where he could buy the ladders from him. And he 
we went back to Utah and my dad pre-sold a container full of them. He's How many letters are in a container? Oh, probably 40 or 50. And uh, so he, you know, he gets out his legal pad. He goes and shows, he had one ladder with him, pre-sells them all, has their name, phone number. And then the container comes in and he goes and sees every one of these people. Now think about this, every one of them. And they all had an excuse why they couldn't buy. They said, oh, you know, uh, I lost my job or my kids are in college now. Or, you know, I had this, you know, we wrecked our car, whatever. So my dad goes, I had all these ladders and I couldn't. I couldn't sell them. And uh, he goes, man, I just had to start going to people's houses, to people's businesses and, and um, trying to sell ladders that way. And, and then as he did that, he realized, okay, when you have a presentation, when you can show what the ladder can do, people buy. And so then he started going to trade shows, um, home shows, home and garden shows, state fairs. And that's how the company took, took off the first year himself. By himself, he sold a half a million dollars worth of um, five hundred thousand dollars of ladders the first the first year alone by himself. Wow! Um, so he was a very good salesman, and then uh, he just went from there. He started uh, he started hiring people, and and um, the rest is history, <laughs> so to speak. But but what people don't realize is this was in nineteen seventy two. Interest rates were crazy, um, and my dad's trying to sell a three hundred dollar ladder when you could buy one. He said at Sears for nineteen dollars ninety nine cents, and so again, it wasn't easy, and it took many, many years—I mean, decades—to do this. And I think people nowadays, especially young people, they don't—they want everything right now. They want the big house, the cars, the money, and they don't realize. My dad used to say, "This is a marathon; it's not a sprint," and so you have to—you know—you have to. You know, you have to just keep plugging along and never give up. So Jill, when you're editing these things, are you as inspired to edit them as we are to listen to them? You know, I, I probably watched 25 hours of, of video, everybody from associates to employees, to friends and family. And what's overwhelming is the consistency of what people have to say about how no matter what the story is, fundamentally, everybody says the same thing about how much how loved people, how generous he was, what a great person he was, and how consistent he was. He was, whether somebody was looking or not, he was the same person. And you read these stories and you hear people tell these stories, and not only are you inspired, but you learn what you can do in your own life to be more like that. And I think that's what's going to be the value of this book is not only really um, giving people and showing people the legacy of Hal Wing, but also tactically how they can put into play in their own lives, how they can be more successful, not only in their career, but in their family life, in their community life, and just being a better human being. It's, at the very least inspirational, I think. Well, I can reinforce one thing. Um, I've been friends with Doug, probably pushing 20 years. And consistently, he's one of the nicest, most honest, most honorable people I've ever known. And he was raised the right way and took it from his mom and dad and then watched it manifest throughout his business. If his dad did one thing at home and one thing at business, it would not have been 
as impactful to Doug as it was where he saw home and business exactly the same. I mean, exactly the same. And I don't want to spill any beans, but your dad was a racer, a motorcycle rider, daredevil, doing anything he possibly could to try to harm himself, literally. Uh, you know, he, but he was a liver of life to the fullest. Yeah. And you talked about that on your show this morning, Jeffrey, is he was always in a hurry. He would have little sayings like, take your time going, but hurry back. And then he would have <laughs> yeah. a saying that said, we're, he would say, we're burning daylight, let's go. So he was, he was always in a hurry because he knew that there was only so much time in a day. And um, he walked fast. He rode motorcycles fast. He drove cars very, very fast. He, he expected everyone to, to do their best and to, to work hard and do it fast, but do it right. And he was big on quality. And, you know, Jen, you mentioned, uh, I'd like to tell one more story if we have time yeah. about what kind of a boss, what kind of a boss he was. And, and I think Jill has the story, but if she doesn't, she's going to have it right now. But um, we, uh, we had this employee, he still works at Little Giant to this day. Let's call him Mike. Uh, I'll just change his name. Um, and what's um, his real name? Mike? Come on. No. <laughs> Come on. What's his real, what's no. it, what does it rhyme with? No, let's call right. him Mike. All right, go ahead. And by the way, so anyway, the factory, everything's now in America, right? It's all made in America now. Uh, some of it is. Some's made in Asia, but a lot of it's still made in America. But um, that's cool. But anyway, uh, so this this Mike that worked for us for many years, he he got into a financial mess, and um, he came to um, the management team and said, "Hey, I'm about ready to lose my house. I did some stupid stuff, and I." I did like a second mortgage on stuff. And um, is there anything you guys can do to help me? And, you know, so it was me and my brother and two other people on management team were talking about this. And we're like, man, we're not a bank. I don't think we can help him. And just then my dad walks in. He's retired. He's still chairman of the board. He's like, what's going on? And um, we're like, hey, we're just talking about, you know, we're talking about uh, Mike here. He's, uh, you know, this is the story. And my dad says, well, wait a minute. You know, he goes, isn't, isn't Mike on a quarterly bonus system? And we're like, yeah. And he's like, how much does he make on his bonuses? And we're like, oh, this much. And he's like, has he made his bonuses all the time? And he needed this money within like two weeks or he was going to lose his house. And my dad said, give him the money. He'll pay us back. He's always made his bonuses. Just give him the money. Aww. So we give him the money. His house is saved. He earns his bonuses over probably a year and a half to two years. He pays the money back. And um, now I ask you this question. If you went into your boss, anybody, and went into your boss and said, would you give us this money and help us out of this situation? They would look at you and say, no way. Um, and so they look at you, know, you again, like you were crazy for asking. Yeah. Yeah. My dad always said that he couldn't do it alone and that the people you know, take, carry him onto the top of the mountain every day. But now you know why people loved Halloween, why they were loyal to him, why they would do anything for him is because they knew that he loved and cared about them and he would help them if he could. Yeah, that's so cool. And it's something that every single business owner that listens to our show should consider is, are you being a Halloween in your business? And that may not mean giving someone a loan for their house, but it means doing whatever you can do 
to support mm-hmm. your people in your own way. Whether it's inspirational yeah. or financial. Yeah. I think too, to, to add to that, is that one of the things that set Hal apart as a business owner and as a boss was that he never expected any of his employees to do something he wasn't willing to do. Well into mm-hmm. his 60s, that man was out in the manufacturing area putting together ladders with his people. So, you know, it was never a matter of, oh, he's the boss and he's way above us. He treated everybody the same. And he really wanted everybody to succeed just like he succeeded. So he was out on the floor. He was talking to employees. He was getting to know them. He was genuinely interested in their families and what they had going on in their lives. He was actively engaged in every part of the business all the time. And it made all the difference. He had employees and still has employees that have been there 20, 25, 30 years. And that's almost unheard of in business today. It is. Yeah, for Mm -hmm. sure. You know, what I love about that story and diehards, you can't see this, but we can. Jill is just exuding passion. Like she worked there, even though she, I don't even know if she's met Howie, but she feels so passionate about it from reading and watching all these stories and the lessons that you can take away and bring into your sales life and your business life and even your home life that it's so cool to see that coming out of you, Jill. Yeah, it's it's been been an honor. It really, it really has been an honor to be part of this project. Cool. Cool. So Doug, you you are a big part of the legacy. So what's next for you? Where do where does this book where do you take this book? What does that look like? How do we get a copy? All the things. Yeah. Tell us everything. Inquiring about. minds want to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're getting close. And uh, I really appreciate Jill what she's done because I couldn't do it without her. And and I do appreciate you, Jeffrey, for you know guiding me along the way you've done this before and 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 I guess what what I'm saying to to those listening today is you know if you it's scary to write a book you know um I I go into bookstores all the time and I grab a book when I'm getting ready to fly someplace and I love reading but if you've never done something like this before it can be a little bit intimidating but it is possible and um you know if you apply yourself and you have good people helping you along the way but and you have a I mean, my story is, is unbelievable and um, little giant and a mentor I had in my dad, but so the plans are obviously to release this book in March and, and um, to, uh, to, you know, take that book to companies, businesses, sales teams, and help them to be more successful and, and um, you know, develop a program where we can teach other people and companies and teams um, the principles and values of Hal Wing and Doug Wing and, and help them to be successful like like we were successful and, and kind of so that's kind of the, what's in the works right now. Hey, I'm really glad you added yourself to that, like Howling and Dugwing, because yeah. legit, you, Doug, have so much firsthand knowledge and you've done it yourself in leading these teams. And and what's your shirt say, Jeffrey? This is Arnold Shrive and Doug sent it to me. Oh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> no, but but Doug, you're a huge portion of the equation. And while this book is a lot about how um, there's a lot of Doug in there, there's a lot that, you know, you're owed credit for that you may not necessarily give yourself credit for. Yeah. Well, so there I needs to be one well, chapter that says I'm pretty damn good too. 
Yeah, I think I think <laughs> what, what's important is is I tell Doug, he's the steward of Hal's legacy. Yeah. But what is also included in the book is Hal built a great foundation for a little giant. What Doug did is build on that foundation and take it to a whole other level with the exclusivity with Lowe's and, and some of these big clients that Little Giant now has as a result of Doug taking everything that he learned from Hal and using that to grow the company exponentially in all areas. Um, and there's, there's a lot to be gained from a business perspective uh, for anybody who wants to expand not only their own professional development, but add to the value of a company that they work for or a company that they own. For sure. I'm so excited to read the book. I, I can't wait. Is there somewhere we can go to sign up to get updates or where can we learn more? Sure. Yeah. You can go to dougwing.com. And um, when you go onto my page, there is a section that you can click on that says um, get notified when my book is uh, ready and fill that information out. And, and we will, as soon as we're ready to go, we'll send you information on it. And diehards, don't forget to put that expiration date in there. Uh, So we will, um, I don't think they're collecting credit cards. (laughs) But you can still give Doug your credit card expiration Mm. if you want. Yeah. (laughs) No. So Doug, I think we should have you on the show again and Jill and talk further once the book is done. And yeah, when and the book is in hand, we can show it and tell a few more stories. Cause I know diehards want to know more and uh, we'll, we'll put your link in the show notes for sure. And diehard, if you want to send us your own little giant story, because I guarantee you everybody has one of how many ladders you've used of little giant to paint your walls, fix your roof, clean out your gutters, whatever you've done. Uh, no house is complete without a couple of little giant ladders. I know we're in the half a dozen category because uh, we live in a pretty big place, but little giant ladders hang out all over the place. They do. You never know when you're going to find one. Exactly. You never know when you're going to have to change a light bulb. That's what I always say. It's, yeah. It's, it's, you know, I, as I drive down the road and um, I see our ladders on like Comcast vehicles and, and charter vehicles and things like that, that, you know, and I'm like, I know who sold those ladders. Yeah, there's a, bring, <laughs> the pride that's yeah. involved in this is not explainable. Yeah. It's pretty cool. You know? And like, even like if I'm on a date or something, the, the gal that's with me is like, man, you, you just look at ladders on trucks all the time. I'm like, well, I did this for a long time, but <laughs> and then some of, some of my friends tell me they're like, Hey, I started looking at ladders and, vehicles and stuff and I, I can Doug's find little giants out ladders. I'm like, yeah we need to get yeah have a book like where's waldo right where's the little giant you know you know what There's we do like the that. same thing though we were on our way to church the other day and there was a painter uh, just a, a pickup truck that a guy had his painting logo on the side he had a little giant ladder in the back oh yeah cool. that's awesome i love that all right well thank you guys both for being here this has been great You're thank welcome. you so much it's a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. I'll be on my flipping light this afternoon myself, changing a couple of light bulbs. I, I'll you- send you a full report. Thank you so much for listening to Sell or Die. We hope that this episode has helped you transform the way you think, given you new ideas, and provided you a new perspective on the sales 
and business challenges that you face every day so you can get out there and win the customer all the way to the bank. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to rate and review. Each review helps us help more people just like you make a difference in this world. Don't forget to take a screenshot, share it in your Instagram stories and tag us at Jeffrey Gittimer and at Jen Gittimer. See See you you next week. week.